So this morning we're in Romans 15, 1-3. Thank you, Gary, for reading through that for us. I am participating in the community of believers on mission to the world. That's the one that we're doing. What does it mean to be part of a community of followers of Jesus? And what does it mean to be on mission to the world? That's the little bit that we're going to be talking in this morning. We're going to be doing it in a rather succinct way because today we're at 11.30 already before I get started. So thank you, Gary. <laughs> I have become completely, keenly aware of our need for community in our lives. I don't know how many of you guys realize this, but we need family. We need church family. We need people around us. We need friends. We need family. We all need that. We are built for a relationship. Even people who will spend 12, hour, 12 hours a day playing video games in their basement need community, and they do that online. It's an online community. So, whether you think that's valid or not, that's besides the point. It's still an online community. That's what they're going for. In, the Paul, in the Paul's writings here, he's delivering a letter to the church in Rome. In fact, in verse 14, he's kind of changing direction here. Just after the passage we read this morning, he's changing direction and he's kind of winding down the letter. So he's ready to say goodbye. Um, scholars say that uh, he was probably in Corinth or Caesarea on his third mission. Um, just, this is just before he's heading back to Jerusalem with the offering for the believers in Jerusalem. Um, scholars think that he had probably never met these people before, face to face. So he's sending a letter ahead of him, hoping to come and visit them, but this letter was to kind of prepare him, prepare them for many people. So if you read through the, the book I've been reading through it this week, if you read through the whole book of Romans, it gives you a really clear picture of the gospel, what it is. Um, he works his way through it really well, and then when he hits chapters 12 and 13, He's preparing these believers for this is how you live a life that Jesus would be proud of. This is how you live a life as a Christ follower. If you could sum it all up in two statements, verses uh, or chapters 11 or 12 through 14, you can sum it up in two statements. Serve God, serve others, love God, love others. Serve God, serve others, love God, love others. So this morning there's two things we're going to be talking about. How I ought to be personally and then how we ought to be corporately. How I ought to be personally, how we ought to be corporately. So in the few minutes we have here, we're going to start out first of all, and how I ought to be or personally. If we're going to affect change, the only way we can affect change really is through ourselves, personally. Right? You cannot effectively try and change somebody else. You really can't. You can encourage them all you want. You can help them all you want. You can criticize them all you want. But you cannot affect change in somebody else. Better yet, we must choose to change by Jesus. Jesus is the one that changes us. Jesus is the one that changes hearts. I'm becoming like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. So let's take a little peek down through the passage this morning and see what it actually means be changing to become more like Jesus, to have the characteristics of Jesus. What characteristics do we actually see in this passage? So the first characteristics, they're up there, the three that we're looking at. The first one we have is patience. The NIV actually says endurance, means having that staying power, 
For though they insult us, we are children of the Most High. We are children of the Creator of the universe. That's what it says. Right? So we are His children. That's, that's encouraging to me. Anyway, should be to you too. We need to be patient with each other. We need to stick with each other. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. We also need to be people of encouragement. Has somebody ever told you that you did a great job? That's a pretty great thing, I think. Um, and it's really okay to accept those words of encouragement from another person. That is not pride. That is, if that person cares about you in a very deep and real way, they're going to encourage you. They're going to give you godly advice. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about godly advice. He's talking about hurt and encouragement. And the, the thing to line this up with is, does God's word actually say these things? Or does it not say these things? So if God's word, God's word actually says these words of encouragement, that's real. You can take that. You can, you can build your life on that. That's what God's word says. If it doesn't say that in God's word, maybe it's not worth listening to. That's where criticism comes in. If God's word says it, it's true. Take those words of encouragement, listen to them, and apply them to your life. It also means that we need to be people of encouragement, too. Um, my kids won't even remember this one, probably, but quite a few years ago, we were sitting in McDonald's one night, and uh, a rather an older gentleman came walking up to us, and we just finished saying grace. We always thank God for our food before we, we eat, and that was something that we do even when we're out. And so this older gentleman came walking up and he told us how much he appreciated seeing families still instilling that value of faith in their kids. And so that was just normal for us. But do you know what that encouragement actually meant to us? That's huge, right? Now somebody you don't have a clue who they are come up to you and say, great job. So be those kind of people. If you catch somebody doing something that is honoring to God, be that kind of person, right? Encourage those people. All right, point number two. I ought to be like Jesus means learning to be like Jesus. So if you work your way down through the passage, uh, do I have the same attitude of mind that Jesus has? That's verse five right there. Do I have the same attitude of mind that Jesus has? How did Jesus approach life? So if you look back through chapters 12 through 14, here's just a few of what you would find in 12 to 14. Jesus did not conform to the pattern of this world. Jesus lived a life that was pleasing to the Father, meaning that he was obedient to the Father. He honored others and he was devoted to others. He was patient in affliction. He was faithful in prayer. He was obedient. He always did what was right. He submitted to governing authority. And those governing authority crucified him. But he submitted to them. He always loved and he always served. We can do this on our We cannot do this on our this is the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, right? This is the power of the Spirit of Jesus working through that that allows us to have those attitudes and characteristics flowing out through us. So number three, we ought to be accepting. If you look down through this passage, it's kind of exciting to me. Uh, the passage is talking to Gentiles. And guess what? Every single one of us in, this, in here, we are Gentiles. At least I don't know many of you who have a direct lineage Abraham. So we are all Gentiles here. That's a pretty exciting thing because all of this passage is actually being directed to us. Often when we look at the Bible we say, oh, I think maybe just the New Testament applies to me. Well, that's definitely not true. Verse 9 here, Paul is quoting 2 Samuel 22.50 and Psalm 18.49. Uh, 
Uh, verse 10, he's quoting Deuteronomy 32, 34. Verse 11, he's quoting Psalm 117, verse 1. And verse 12, he's quoting Isaiah 11, 12, and Matthew 20, or 12, 21. So we are directly involved, even in the Old Testament. The Word of God, from start to finish, applies to us too. Right? God's Word goes all the way through. Jesus' ministry here on earth was to fulfill the promise that God gave to the Jewish people, but it was also to enable us as Gentiles to be able to glorify God. I think that's pretty awesome. This point of view should actually change how we view other people too. If we have been accepted into God's family, and those of us who are followers of Jesus have been accepted into God's family, we should also be accepting other people into the family too, right? We should be striving to reach them. That's our job. So, next, how ought we to be corporately? So I'm going to be honest, in the past few months I've been aware of how much our church supports kids and youth ministry here at our church, right? Corporately. High school age and down, you probably have no idea that this is even happening because, quite frankly, you've been raised in this. You know exactly what it's like because this is just normal for you. You're, it feels normal to be supported. So I'll just give you a few examples of how I see our church family supporting us, supporting kids and youth and families. Um, your support for us going to Ontario Youth, we had more than what we needed, and that's going to be applied to the next trip. But you guys supported us like crazy, and we really appreciate that. The second way I see you guys supporting our kids and youth is up here this morning. You got to see a couple of uh, teenagers up here, a couple of our students up here. You'll get to see kids up here too, right, on the worship teams. I think that's pretty amazing to, to let our next generation be part of us, right, part of our church family. So the next way I see it is you support us by allowing our students to be a huge part of VBS, huge part of just putting VBS on a lot. There are churches out there who only want adults helping. That's very unfortunate because if we want our kids to learn how to lead, this is a perfect spot and a fun spot to learn how to lead right away. So thank you for supporting that, us that way. And I also see you, the way you volunteer at PBS as being just absolutely incredible. That's, that's a church family corporately pulling together and doing a job. Um, that also means you're supporting our communities around us too. You're supporting the kids and the students out there. I actually really like watching some of you interact with our kids and students too. Some of you guys are just amazing and you're not afraid of them. So that's all being part of a church family. We care for and we support each other. So let's look back through the passage for a second here and see how ought we to be corporately. How ought we to be supporting each other corporately. Verse 1 says we ought to bear with each other. Supporting those who are weaker personally, financially, with our time, with our ability. I know there are some guys here who are really good at stacking wood. And they bring their kids along and they do it to support other people in our congregation. I know some other guys here, or ladies too, who are really good at fixing things. And they support their congregation, their church family, by doing that too. There are people who are bringing meals to other people. There are people here who are driving people to appointments. Corporately, as a church family, you guys are doing this, right? You're supporting one another. There are lots of you here who are great listeners and great supporters, too. So I know that many of you are doing this. That's our corporate mandate. We're supposed to be a church family. 
loving and serving each other. That's how we follow Jesus together. Number two is how ought we to be corporately. So this list of learning to be like Jesus that I read before, that doesn't just apply personally, that applies to us corporately. So let me just put down through the list here for you. We follow Jesus' example by not conforming to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is to accept everything, but we follow God's word. And we love all people, but not all actions. Number two, we learn to be like Jesus as a community by living a life that is pleasing to the Father. We do this by serving each other. We do this by serving community. Number three, we learn to live like Jesus in community by honoring others and being devoted to others. Number four, we learn to be like Jesus by being patient in affliction. So this BBS that's coming up, um, we have people that could have taken to the internet and posted back stuff and made it a whole big deal. Um, that's not what Jesus would have done. He would have been patient, kind, and loving towards those who insulted him. He was that way, right? That's how we ought to be too, as a church body. We ought to be a community that is faithful in prayer, as Jesus was. We ought to be a community that is, that is obedient, as Jesus was. We ought to be a community that did what was right, as Jesus did. We must submit to the governing authority, even though they make laws that we don't agree with, as Jesus did. We must always love, and we must always serve. Corporately, we must also be accepted, it says up there. Um, we're part of a, uh, a society right now that uh, has this opinion of, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Um, but that's not how we are, right? We must remain biblically sound and lovingly care for those who need guidance. That's how we're supposed to be. Our goal here, Romans 15, verse 6, if you look at it. There it says, so be of one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to understand what one, one voice actually sounds like, you need to sit in the front couple of rows on a Sunday morning. To hear everybody singing this way, it's not just, like, it sounds like a whole bunch of different voices, but it really isn't. It is all one voice singing together, and it actually sounds really nice. So, these two rows up here on each side should be full next week. <laughs> this might sound like a rather odd message to be giving on a graduation Sunday, but it's, here are your two, take, your two takeaways. For, first of all, for our graduates, you're called to live a life that is glorifying to God. So what does that look like? When you're making your decisions, where you're heading off to school if you're a high school grad, or whether you're heading into a field, or whether you're heading into a job, how am I going to be honoring God in my next stage of life. Uh, as a church family, how are we going to be supporting our kids as they're headed into the next stage of life? What does that look like for us? Um, for the rest of us, that's exactly what it is. How are we going to continue to support each other corporately? That's how it's supposed to be. The big question is, so I'll give you one little suggestion if you want to just to kind of get your brain rolling. How am I going to support those on the next stage of life? After church, we're going to be going downstairs for some cake and ice cream. Um, get to know some of the students that are going to be sitting around down there. They're really not all that uh, scary. They're actually pretty fun to hang out with. Pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage them. And uh, I know they, they definitely appreciate it, even if they don't tell you that they appreciate it. So that's just one suggestion. Be... Yeah, thinking these things through. How can we support our next generation? How can we support our, uh, our own church?
feeding coordination. So let's do this up now. Let's do the graduation part of it. <laughs>